If you are digging back through the Photo Business Help catalog, which you must be if you're hearing this message right now, keep in mind that technology changes and our offerings change. So any links that you might hear me mention during this episode you're about to hear may not work anymore. Make sure you head to photobizhelp.com forward slash links for all of our current links and offers. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash links and ignore the things that you hear in this episode today because they might be outdated. Everything you need is at photobizhelp.com forward slash links. This episode of the Photo Business Help podcast is brought to you by one of my personal favorite places in Minneapolis, Studio Q. Studio Q is a 5,000 square foot studio in the heart of the Creative District in Northeast Minneapolis. The studio offers a welcoming and creative space for photographers, videographers, creatives, and small events. The studio includes a welcoming lounge area, co-working space, full kitchen, prop area, private bathroom, and large shooting area. With a collection of backgrounds, food, and lifestyle props, Studio Q is everything you need for big or small projects. Join the studio for one hour, a full day, or co-work with them by the month. Ask about rates, book your next shoot, or request a studio tour on their website at studioqmpls.com. That's Studio Q mpls.com. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a place for photographers who want to earn money with photography and live a better life. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. Since going full-time in 2010, photography has brought me more freedom, income, and opportunities than I ever imagined. It's been so positive for me that I want to show you everything I know. You'll learn more than just businessy things, though, including my favorite ways to be mindful and happier on this journey. Hey, you're listening to the Photo Business Help Podcast. My name's Natalie Jennings. I'm your host. This is part two of a three-part beginner food photography series I am doing with Kristen Olson. She is a photographer and food expert. Kristen has worked as a food photographer and recipe developer supporting food brands like Target, Rosada Wines, Lakewinds Co-op, Gaia Foods, and Bushel Boy. After a 10-year career with General Mills and the Betty Crocker Test Kitchens, Kristen launched Quincy Street Kitchen as a way to share her love of food, content creation, and storytelling for big and small companies in the food space. So if you missed out on last episode, we talked about how to arrange just some tips for, again, this is geared more towards new photographers in the space, how to arrange food, um, food placement, and stuff like that. So if you missed that, check that out. This is part two. Today we're going to talk about lighting. Uh, the food that you've now so carefully arranged. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Yes, lighting is very important in food photography. (laughs) (laughs) It it, is. And, you know, it's interesting because I do a lot of, um, well, most of my work is a lot of movement and candid stuff. So to sort of move into a space where it's nothing's moving and it's very deliberate, um, I'd love to hear, maybe just start a little bit with like your your basic process for setting something up. And even if you want to have a pretend thing that we can imagine, like a cup of coffee or something, I don't know, whatever, whatever you'd like to talk sure. about. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first thing in food photography for lighting is to turn off your overhead lights. <laughs> um, they cast shadows, um, color hues that you really don't want to deal with. And um, natural light is fantastic for food photography. Um, but because of our short Minnesota um, daylight hours, um, I actually prefer shooting with artificial light. So there are um, kind of a wide variety of different um, types of artificial light that you can use for food photography. I do um, studio strobes for most of the photography that I shoot here, um, but a, a continuous light is also really, really great. And the benefit of a continuous light over a flash or strobe is actually that you can shoot um, video as well as Food photography. So kind of works double duty, which is great for anyone on a budget. Um, natural light, fantastic. Always good to have. Uh, I would say maybe avoiding like kind of a golden hour or um, really early morning because sometimes there is a hue there as well. But if you know how to tackle that in post-production, not a problem. And that's an interesting point because for a lot of folks that are used to doing family photography, lifestyle photography, that's sort of like the, oh my gosh, we want the golden hours. So you're saying, you know, avoid that because what we really want is sort of like, we don't want the, the tones, like the tungsten, all that stuff to influence yeah. the color of the food. Definitely. I mean, there are absolutely situations where you want that. If you're doing an outside picnic or an evening dinner scene, um, that is absolutely what you want. But it's an artistic decision. And if you're really trying to get something that's more um, studio where it's like a tabletop scene of a cup of coffee, um, in that situation, you'd probably want something that's daylight uh, rated for either the natural light during the day or um, a daylight rated uh, strobe or um, constant light. So. Can you walk us through just sort of, you talked about the types of light, but just how many lights on average and what it looks like on camera, off camera when you're just average food shoot for you? For sure. Directionality is really key for what we're doing here. On a tabletop, if you um, are wanting to get a very natural look, I'd say one light is all you need. Uh, that can be snuggle up against a window, that can be uh, one light source, whatever it is. Um, having directionality to the lighting is really key for highlighting the texture and the interest within the food. I know we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on and recorded, but with, with portrait photography, you really want to soften the texture of somebody's face because we are all humans and we have pores and we have imperfections. And, uh, you know, sometimes people want to hide some of that, which by all means, that's the thing. Uh, but for food, that's where the interest and the detail and the excitement comes from. You know, the texture when you zoom in on a strawberry, like so cool. And the pores that you see on the outside of an orange on the texture of the, of the, the peel, that's amazing. And that's really where a side light or backlighting can really highlight those um, the, the little textures and the imperfections and the details within the texture of food. Um, and that's that's kind of what you're going for. So that, that's I was, a strong visual. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I can picture that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of the beauty of food photography is that when you when you look at something really close up, it's it's incredible. The amount of detail and, you know, the that 
a strawberry has hair on it that is something you want to highlight is is kind of fun compared to uh, portrait photography. But yeah, that's interesting. So is, there a, <laughs> is there a time like um, in a pinch, maybe you just have your camera and uh, on camera flash little strobe or something when uh, natural light is is going to be the thing that you lean on the most and if that's the case what can people you know what should people keep in mind like let's say they're sitting by a window having lunch and you know that kind of thing yeah um natural light is great so I would say snuggle up against that window um within I'd say up to two to three feet is kind of how about as far away as you'd want to get um any farther than that and the drop off of the quality and the intensity of the light will be a little bit harder for you to get really what you're looking for. Um, if you have the food item in the center of your frame, you're going to really want that light to be coming from either camera right or camera left, um, not from behind the photographer. So uh, you want the, the light to kind of hit it from the side or just barely behind the item that you're photographing, kind of in that uh, I don't know, 45 degree angle ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, and that really helps to kind of highlight any like specular highlights. So if you think about, uh, a sliced strawberry, there's moisture in that strawberry that kind of rises to the surface. And if the light is felt three quarters, um, across the table from you, and it's coming kind of behind the food, the light will skip off the food and that moisture on the strawberry and it'll hit the camera and have some beautiful highlights that show that there's you know interest and texture and um, detail in that strawberry that the, the light is actually picking up where it wouldn't necessarily if it's coming from on the camera. So that's kind of why you want to really focus on having the lights um, either to the side or behind the food. That's great. That's great advice. Is there anything before we wrap up this segment that you want to tell people to like avoid, avoid, avoid when it comes to lighting food? Um, I'd say make sure if you're going with natural or constant lights, make sure to turn off your overhead lights. <laughs> That's one of the number one things that, you know, I see people struggling with is there, there's two types of light that they're kind of struggling to, to compensate for in post-production. There's a little bit of a halo of, of the orange overhead lights, and then maybe the natural light is a little bit more of a blue tone. Um, and trying to compensate for that in post-production is so much harder than just switch off that overhead light. Just turning off the light. That happens a lot, you know, in I think all <laughs> yeah. photography, but it's sometimes when you're in the, the middle of it, you forget. Um, if you're in a room, especially, it can feel very odd to turn off the lights because at first it seems a lot darker but yeah I agree with you there well this was part two we are going to do three parts for this beginner food photography workshop and the next part we're going to talk about gear so what you're shooting with to achieve these shots again if you're just tuning in and you missed the first part of this we talked about sort of arranging everything and um, this obviously was lighting so we'll be back soon with gear and hopefully that'll be a good solid foundation for those of you that want to try your hand at food photography. Kristen, where can people find you on the internets? Yeah, I am at quincystreetkitchen.com and at quincystreetkitchen on all of the social media platforms. So come and follow along. Wonderful. Thank you. Tune in for the next show. We will have part three of the beginner, beginner, of the beginner food photography workshop. Be back soon.